Welcome to SportsInjuryProtection.com, a podcast about protecting the athletes of the future. If you're a parent or a coach, this is your number one resource to learn what it takes to protect young athletes in today's competitive sports environment. And now, your host, Coach KG. Hello and welcome. You're listening to SportsInjuryProtection.com, the podcast. I am your host, and I want to thank you for joining me on this podcast today. Um, this is a podcast that's dedicated to supporting parents in their efforts to safely guide their young athlete through today's competitive sports environment. And yeah, the dynamics have changed in youth sports today. If you haven't noticed, almost every weekend out of the month, uh, you can find young men and women out there giving it up, whether it be on the softball field, soccer field, baseball field, volleyball, basketball courts. Uh, the game continues at a pretty fanatic pace, and we want to do our part in being a resource to support parents um, in doing the best job they possibly can in guiding and safely guiding their young athlete through this competitive sports environment. I also want to say I'm grateful that you've decided to take time out of your day uh, to listen to the podcast. Uh, We'd love to have you go to our Facebook page um, and like us there and also follow us on Twitter at SportsInjuryP. Also, have your parents go on to our website, SportsInjuryProtection.com, to uh, subscribe and they can receive some of our free downloads. Uh, We have a pretty awesome uh, sports nutrition guide that we like to send out to them. It covers a lot of good detailed information in terms of proteins, fats, carbs, what to eat, when to eat it, and why it's important to uh, the development and the uh, support of young athletes. So make sure you have your parents go on to SportsInjuryProtection.com and subscribe so we can get all those good downloads out to them. Hey, have you ever wondered um, how a softball player goes from being unrecruited all the way through high school and ends up becoming one of the most dominant players in LSU history? Well, joining us on the podcast today to share her amazing story is none other than the great Savannah Jaquish. Um, I've had an opportunity to speak with her about her story, um, her humble beginnings uh, in Highland, California, all the way to being drafted in the first round by the Chicago Bandits. My opinion, it's a great story that will inspire so many young athletes out there. So I'm going to ask that you sit back and that you hang out for a little while because you're listening to SportsInjuryProtection.com, the podcast. Welcome back to the podcast, SportsInjuryProtection.com. I am your host, Coach KG. We've got a very special guest joining us on the show during this segment. Um, Our guest today, she is a four-time All-American, the first in LSU school history. She's also the all-time RBI leader. She currently plays for the four-time National Pro Fast Pitch Champion, Chicago Bandits. Let's welcome Savannah Jayquish to the show. Hello, Savannah, and welcome to the podcast. Hi. <laughs> Hi. How are you doing today? 
I'm doing great. Good, good, good. What's going on in your world? Um, right now, I'm just helping LSU softball out with coaching and um, trying to finish up my degree. So college and ball still. <laughs> college and ball in that order. Yeah. <laughs> right on, right on. Well, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your day, especially with so much going on, um, to spend some time with us on sportsinjuryprotection.com, this podcast. I know we've had a chance to kind of brief on our whole movement and what we're doing. Um, and I can't thank you enough for just being willing and open to sharing your story and being a part of the movement to try and help better educate parents, players, coaches on really understanding what it takes to compete at a high level and to go about your journey through sports in the best way possible that's safe and good for the body. So I know that's why we wanted to have you on. Uh, take a moment to share with what was it that made you want to come onto the show and share your story. Um, I think that, you know, my whole, my whole point in playing and, you know, continuing to play is to grow the game and to grow the knowledge of youth sports and parents out there and um, just any way I can help really. <laughs> well, no. And I mean, it's such an important endeavor. Um, you know, we were just talking off air, just some simple things like understanding to maintain the body, understanding how to take care of, you know, certain injuries, uh, what to eat. Just there's so much stuff that's taken for granted uh, that you are, you have access to at the college level and the pro level. And it's just amazing how still a lot of that has not trickled down to just day-to-day life for young athletes. And so having you a part of the show, having you a part of the movement with us is just an awesome thing um, and I'm just really excited to dig in and uh, give you an opportunity to share your amazing story if, if you would uh, take us back to the beginning and tell us kind of what your journey through softball has been like to this point well I started playing softball when I was six um, it, it seems really early but I had two older sisters to pave you know that path before me they both played division one softball before me so um i was just kind of following in their footsteps i really wanted to be just like them so um i was lucky being the younger sister and for them you know paving the way for me and um my dad was such a great coach and he always wanted to learn more and and get us to you know college i think all of us wanted to um you know, pay our way to college. So we knew sports was a way and we wanted to take that burden off of our parents. So, Right. Now, I know you said that you come from um, the good old part of Highland, California, the IE house, y'all. <laughs> um, 909. 909. <laughs> Tell us what um, softball was like, because uh, it sounded like it's a really completely different picture to what, you know, maybe kids are accustomed to in Orange County or in other parts of Southern California. Right. So, we really didn't have any top facilities or even top coaches, um, you know, where I was from in the, in the Inland Empire. Um, it wasn't the roughest part to grow up in. I was, I'm not going to say that I'm from the hood or anything, <laughs> but, you know, it was really just a disadvantage for sure. I, I remember in high school, my, my coach was the football coach. <laughs> my softball coach was the football coach. And, you know, we kind of just ran our own show. So, um, it, it was really difficult. I remember hitting, you know, in a tire shop with my dad. We didn't have, you know, any balls, so he spray painted circles on the tire, and I would do, go through different contact points on a tire. And you know, that's just how I was like brought up. My dad would make little gadgets and 
I would trust every word he said. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like it paid off. I mean, I know you had shared your sister's play, but just how did sports become such a big thing in your household? I mean, to have three uh, young ladies in a household earn scholarships and play Division One softball, where did all that energy for sports come from? My dad actually played um, sports professionally, and he just had such a fighter's mentality, and he always taught us, like, nothing's given to us. We have to earn everything, and um, he, he actually was um, a SWAT, you know, guy, so he, he was always like, you have to fight with your team, and, you know, he would always talk about stories when he came home, and, and he told us, if we're going to pick a sport, we're going to be the best at it. We're, we have to pick anything we want but we have to be the greatest at it. So um, that's really where our mentality came from, and we all made it. Well, and, and that's that's awesome. And uh, I think any time that you can have parents that um, have a passion for sports in the household, it just makes a, a world of a difference from just the guidance that you get and how you get prepared for the journey ahead. I know um, mm-hmm. you shared one story, uh, just um, the opportunity to just go out and catch fly balls with your dad take us back to that yeah so (laughs) I always had a passion for the game like there was always a ball in my hand after school I would run home and I would get a ball in the backyard and I would be playing catch with by myself in the backyard I would just throw a ball against the wall and and it would roll back to me and I'd field it and I would do that for hours and my dad would have to call me in and say hey do your homework and I'd be all sunburnt and no I want to still play um, but finally I got him out there to play catch with me and and I was like no I don't want you to go in and he was getting tired and he said if you catch this fly ball and I was like five years old he's like if you catch this fly ball I'll still play catch with you and I was like okay dad like I'm ready like I can do anything and he threw this ball so high like way higher than a like a five-year-old level ever. <laughs> and I don't know how I did it but I just like put my glove where the ball was and I caught the ball and he was so upset because he's like dang it I have to play catch with her still <laughs> so that was just a, a sort of passion that just came out of you know just loving the game well that's interesting that you make that point would you say that early on because to have gone as far as you've gone and you're continuing your journey it, I always say that it starts with a love for the game first and from the sounds of things that you've done early on that the love and passion for sports was just ingrained in you uh, what role did your dad play and your sisters play in really nurturing that and having that become part of just the family culture and just what 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 you're a part of I think my sister did such a great job of you know teaching me and and paving the way for me. I, I, my oldest sister is 10 years older than me and she went to Notre Dame and she would come home from college and I, she was 18 and I was eight years old and she'd play catch with me and she'd say, hey kid, you gotta catch up. And she'd be throwing the ball so hard and I would try to suck it up and, and not be afraid. But I think that that just going through that phase and having to grow up a little bit faster than normal. And my sisters talked to me about, hey, like our parents can't afford paying a scholarship for all three of us paying for school for all three of us so we have to go out there and we have to get a scholarship and and (laughs) that's all I wanted to do is go out there and play softball anyway so I was like okay that works (laughs) well and I think what's amazing is that 
um, out of high school as you were talking about it, um, there wasn't a lot of recruiting activity, yet you had so much passion for the game and so much love for the game. How did you deal with that? How did you handle just having to continue to put out the energy that you did and not necessarily uh, get the attention that you probably felt you deserve? Yeah, well, well, when I played travel ball, I really wasn't on any big name teams, you know, when I was supposed to be. I was always like in the wrong place at the wrong time, (laughs) but I felt, yeah, it was so weird, but I felt like I had the skills and I felt like I had the passion and the knowledge and I would just do anything to play college softball so I I was really confused as to why I wasn't highly recruited and it really took a toll on me you know I remember calling several college coaches and then turning me down and emailing coaches and you know one one time at Christmas I I called a coach and she said if you don't get over here to our winter camp then we're going to pull the scholarship and again my family didn't have the money to pay all these Christmas presents and then pay for me to go Um, you know and I was like 12 years old at the time so they would have to pay for themselves to fly and a whole hotel and I remember telling that coach that college coach like I'm sorry we can't we can't go and she's like well then that's your commitment to my team and you don't have a scholarship and I would just was crying it was like at Christmas time and I'm 12 years old and getting my heart broken like every every turn it felt like but my mom just said like you have to keep going like just because you strike out like doesn't mean you stop swinging like you have to keep swinging right sooner or later you're gonna hit the ball like sooner or later you're a door's gonna open for you like there's no way that I wasn't good enough or there's no way I was not passionate enough so I just picked myself back up and I was like I gotta I gotta keep playing well I'm scratching my head then how do you end up in Louisiana at the great <laughs> University of LSU all the way from Highland, California because the SEC doesn't recruit very heavily on the West Coast. <laughs> right. So they came to um, one of my tournaments in Colorado. And How old were you at this time? I was 15. So I was very late in the recruiting process. Um, I know all of my friends who are on my team were already committed to Division one schools, and I was sitting here like I, I think that I'm gonna go to a community college. <laughs> uh-huh. So they saw me, and they ended up sending me a letter. So I I went to the mailbox, and I opened up this letter from LSU, and I had no idea what those three letters even meant. <laughs> so I was like, oh, Louisiana, you know, like that's in the south somewhere. Like they're really country down there, you know. I don't. <laughs> much about them but I know that they're country so (laughs) oh my gosh so I I called her up I said we need to have an unofficial visit um because at that time I was too young to take an official visit and I remember buying some cowboy boots because I was like oh my gosh I'm going to the south like I Uh. have to get cowboy boots (laughs) and I had just the total wrong mentality like no one even wears cowboy boots over here like (laughs) I hope you kept the receipt (laughs) There are normal people down here. But, um, you know, that's what, where my head was when I was 15. I only had three offers um, from North Carolina, South Carolina, and LSU. So those are the three places I went. I went to North Carolina, South Carolina, and then ended up at LSU, and I fell in love. And she opened the door for me, and she said, you don't have to commit right now. She 
she told me like I, I can take my time I can talk to my family she didn't pressure me into anything and I was like well this is where I'm supposed to go if I'm not being pressured or you know my arm twisted or you hmm. have to commit now I felt like that's where I want to go that's where I want to be Wow wow and that's such an amazing thing uh, to go from having really no idea of where you'll end up to just getting the peace and comfort of knowing through the recruiting process that you've identified a school that seemed like it was a fit for you. Um, I know that you had a hell of a career there. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about just a high level overview of just maybe the first freshman year transitioning from high school and now hitting in the stage at uh, good old LSU and how that was for you. Right. So before I went to college, I worked out heavily. I, I never had that knowledge until someone told me, hey, like, you need to work out and, you know, lift weights, not just running, like lift weights so that your muscles can be healthy when you get to college because it's going to be grueling every single day you're going to have practice, not just Saturday, Sunday, like every single day. So that's when I, I got the knowledge to say, hey, like, I need to get my body healthy. I need to be durable. I need to be as durable as I can be. And, um, you know, so that happened. I went through that, that stage before college. And then the first three weeks of college were absolute, like, grueling. My, it tore down my body. Mentally, I was exhausted every single day. You know, from the time I woke up, worked out, to class, uh, like, quick lunch, back to practice, to tutoring. Like, from sunup to sundown, I was literally being burnt out. Wow. And I think that the first time I ever felt like I, I did the wrong thing, like I wasn't ready. Wow. I mean, how, how did you get through that? I called my mom crying and I told her, like, I don't think I can do, do college softball. It's too hard for me. I don't like my days being organized for me. I feel like I'm in the army and <laughs> she, she calmed me down after I was like trying to like gasping for breath and she told me like that it is what I'm supposed to do. It was what I was born to do and I need to find that love again instead of feeling like I'm forced to do something like finding the joy and the privilege in, in playing softball. You know, and, and at LSU, we do a lot of work with um, disabled kids. And I think that when I saw the people who couldn't do it or the people who look, looked up to me, I, I ended up finding that love and I found it for them, you hmm. know, instead of myself or I found it in my teammates. So it was just a different perspective. Not, it wasn't about me anymore. You know, well, I think that's so powerful because uh, what you're speaking to is something that it's so tough for young athletes to get or grasp. And, and I want to point it out. I mean, you had what was going on in your life that was tough, but you had a different focus. You got beyond yourself and started looking at other things, your teammates, other kids who are unfortunate and don't have the privilege of playing. And you found purpose in recognizing that you're blessed to do what you're doing. And even though it's hard, there's so many people who would love to trade places. And, and, and that is a dynamic and powerful thing for athletes to find a sense of purpose, even though they're going through struggle that's greater than them. And it helps pull them through the struggle. And so imagine if you had a dropped out in that three week period, 
how much you would have mm-hmm. missed in terms of your personal development, but more importantly, the ways, the many ways that you've probably been a blessing to athletes in that community, kids in the community, kids at the school. I mean, just it's just so easy to lose sight that what you're participating in is bigger than you and it requires shifting the way you see it so that you can continue and complete your journey so that you can be the blessing that you were designed to be. I think that's just an awesome, awesome, I think, thing for young athletes uh, to become aware of. And I'm so glad that it was something that you were able to have the wherewithal to figure out so that it didn't stop you in your track so that you could be a blessing. So kudos to you for making it through that stage. (laughs) No problem at all. Hey, coming up next, we are going to have... Savannah, speak to us on the mental game. She's just touched on it a little bit, but uh, she calls it one of her strongest assets, and we're going to give her a chance to elaborate on that in this next segment. So stay tuned. You're listening to SportsInjuryProtection.com, the podcast. This segment is brought to you by TemTam, professional recovery for serious athletes. And now back to Coach KG. Hey, this is Coach KG, and we are back on SportsInjuryProtection.com with our fabulous guest, Savannah Jayquish, joining us. Um, In this segment, we're going to have her speak about the mental game. I know in our time together uh, in prepping for the podcast, Savannah, you had mentioned that the mental game is probably your greatest strength (laughs) and probably your greatest curse. Kind of tell us a bit about uh, your mental game and why you feel it's such an advantage to you. So, going into college, I was very ignorant, and I think that that was, I think that was a blessing to me at first, you know, I didn't really know anybody in the softball world, which is kind of weird, but I didn't really know my competitors, and um, I just remember one time actually going up against Jackie Trena, who was like a two-time All-American, just had won the World Series, and I got a hit off of her. (laughs) And I go into the dugout and my teammates are like, oh my gosh, you just got to hit off the Jackie Trainet. And I was like, wait, who? I was like, oh, you know, like she was all right, you know, you know? And, <laughs> and she's a great pitcher. She was a great pitcher, but it just like not knowing that she was an All-American, you know, and saying to myself, well, you know, she doesn't know who I am. She doesn't know my strengths, my weaknesses. You know, she doesn't know what I can bring to the table. Kind of, I took a different perspective into oh my gosh, I don't know anything, you know, going into college. Instead of saying to myself, I don't know anything, I'm saying to myself, no one knows anything about me. Well, I can be whoever I want to be. Well, and that's just, I mean, the, the old term, ignorance is bliss, but that mentality yeah. comes from somewhere. I mean, I know you said your dad played professional sports. I, I have to think, was it football? You said slot. Yeah, football. <laughs> okay, slot receiver. Um, so that's a mentality of a football player. And so what caused you, and, and, and I guess, to be able to go into uh, your freshman year and feel that you could compete against top-level girls? I mean, what prepared you just to have that kind of strong mindset, that attitude? And I don't want to call it confidence or arrogance, but just that sense of, I can do this, and I don't care who's in front of me. I think that it was just a decision that I had to make. I remember coming in to college and coach Tarina, my coach said to me that I will not see the field unless I feel one position, the only position that's open. 
and and I was like, okay, well, where, what is it? You know, is it catcher? <laughs> is it catcher? Because I I would totally, you know, take that position. You know, and I can, I can do that. And she said, no, it's it's not catching. It's being the number four hitter, being a a DP, a designated hitter, a designated player, and you you really won't see the field much, except for that, and you know, being the number four hitter for a top SEC program as a as a freshman was could be you know kind of alarming to some people could be (laughs) it is daunting yeah and I said to myself you know I I wasn't a home run hitter in high school or throughout my my travel ball years you know I was never a home run hitter I was a hitter for average but I told myself if I wanted to to play and if I wanted to be on the team you know in, in the way I wanted to be make be an impact player I had to make a decision. I had to change my mentality hmm. up to bat, you know, from hitting and, you know, barely touching the ball and, and being happy with, you know, hits. I, I had to crush the ball. I had to, you know, stick my cleats in the ground and I had to take a new attitude. I had to become a new person, become a new beast. So and, I don't want to miss this point because you're talking about a new attitude. What was the old mm-hmm. attitude and what was this new attitude as best as you can remember? Yeah, the old attitude was kind of like, um, I, I hope I don't strike out. I, I mean, I think I struck out a total of 10 times throughout my whole travel ball years. 10 times. Okay. I, I always made contact. So I was a contact hitter hitting for contact, hitting for average. You know, I was always afraid of of swinging too big and getting outside of myself and striking out. And I had to not be afraid to fail. I had to, to you know, shoot for that fence. And if I failed, then I swing it as hard as I can and I, I walked to the dugout, held my head high and said, you know, tip my hat to the pitcher because she got me on that one. <laughs> right. Well, y- y- you're speaking to... Uh, a very important topic. Um, I know I work with a group of girls <clears throat> out here in Southern California, uh, SoCal A's, Peralta, shout out. I know y'all listening. Um, and I, I had a very interesting conversation with them during one of our training sessions. And I asked about kind of their mindset when they wake up on game day. And, you know, from person to person, they said, well, they don't really think about anything till they almost get to the field. And then when they get to the field or get out the car, then this mindset creeps in. And I was very surprised to hear them describe it. And they basically, to a person, expressed that uncertainty and doubt is their mindset showing up to play ball. So they're going to compete and their mindset is of uncertainty about how the team's going to do and doubt about their own ability. And you're speaking to that a little bit in terms of your dynamic and where you had to shift from. How how right. much can you relate to just that being the mindset? And then what really, I know you made a decision, but what was it that really got you moving in this direction of being a new ball player, having a new mindset? Well, it wasn't always like that. It wasn't always ignorant. You know, after you become an All-American your first year, people know who you are. So my second year it was kind of expectations were were haunting me you know Hmm. doubt crept over me and I I was like can I do what I did last year you know and can I be that same player and my coach had to sit me down and talk to me and say you're not going to be the same but you can be even better Hmm. you know you can you can excel and 
she talked to me about practicing confidence. You know, everyone thinks that confidence is something that you just get. You know, it's like a birthday present. You can get it when you're older. (laughs) You can get it when you're old enough to get it. But no, confidence is something I had to practice every single day. And she had me write down the word practice. And in the middle of it, it it said act. Mm. Mm -hmm. So she said, you have to act confident every single time. And and sometimes you're not going to feel confident. And feelings waver, especially women oh my gosh (laughs) girls girls feelings change day to day hour to hour so your feelings aren't going to be stable that's not something you should ever fall back on i don't feel confident so i'm not going to play well that's not something you should fall back on it's not stable she told me that what was stable was my preparation Mm. that's something i could fall back on that's something i put the time in and i can tell myself i remember hitting those balls. I, I remember hitting my weakness and I can do it. I remember how it felt. I remember, you know, how many balls I took off the tee and doing it, you know, and, and I think that that was what set me apart was practicing confidence. And even when I worked out, you know, I, I did it every single day when I worked out, I felt tired. I remember in our conditioning test, I was literally to my max. I was like, this is it. Like, I, I can't go anymore. But I remember I had to act differently than how I felt mm, for mm, my teammates. Mm. And I remember that that would probably set me apart, you know, as a leader, instead of crouching over and, and giving into what I wanted to do and giving into what my body wanted me to do. I had to act differently than how I felt. So I put my hands in the air, like in victory. And they were looking at me like, aren't you tired? Like, aren't you, aren't you like tired? We're almost on the last one, you know, and we're all tired. And, and I put my hands in the air, like, we got this, we can do this. We have more, we can give more. If we can stand up, if we can put our hands in the air in the sign of victory that we're going to complete what we set out here to do, then we can get through it. <laughs> wow. I mean, so many power words, so many amazing things. I, I'm just yeah, I'm fired up. I actually want to figure out what I can go do right now. <laughs> I'm going to do two more podcasts today. Um, I think that's such an important word, just acting that that you want to be. Um, mm-hmm. And and what I love is how you stated that doubt was there. And I always talk to athletes, the fear, uncertainty and doubt, it's always there. But it's right. how you keep it at bay from becoming this big giant monster that jumps on your back and weighs you down to where you feel you can't do anything. And just those words right. from your coach and the way that she helped you find act in the word practice, I think that's just genius. And I hope <laughs> all of you softball players that are listening to this podcast that you would take a moment to go write that word down and that you would circle ACT in practice. Because it's more than just action. It's your behavior. It's part of your resume. Who you are is what you do. And it reflects your leadership. It reflects your character. And to be willing to sacrifice and commit the way you have, Savannah, to the process, to not fight the process, and to not be intimidated by the process of development, growth, and more importantly, your own greatness. And to find ways and tools and way to reach out 
to have people help you in moments where you get stuck. I think that's the most amazing thing that you can impart to these young athletes as they draw back or draw from this particular podcast. Um, I know that we had yeah. one of our uh, athletes from SoCal Peralta, uh, SoCal A's Peralta's team, uh, Raquel Reyes. She had asked a question, um, just how you were able to maintain a positive attitude uh, when you weren't getting much recruiting attention um, through high school. I think I drew back on why I played. You know, if you always doubt your positivity or why you're playing the sport, you, you have to ask yourself, like, why why are you doing this? And my why was my family and my, mm. and my love for the sport. Like, there's no like you can doubt anything you doubt my abilities you can doubt you know how hard I hit the ball or how hard I throw the ball but you can never doubt my heart in the sport and and that's what I always look back on and say hey you know what even if I don't get a scholarship I love playing and I'm gonna play and I'm gonna play hard and someone somewhere is gonna recognize that and they're gonna honor that well I mean that's just Again, such an important point of your why was family, your purpose. But just knowing that you believe in yourself, and I, and you said something that your love for the game was just tremendous. Do you think some players struggle with either accepting their love for the game or recognizing that the love, the game loves them back? irregardless of how they feel or how they may be doing in that particular moment? Absolutely. You know, absolutely. I see it all the time in, you know, through throughout college. I remember one of my teammates would not be pitching well, and she would be crying, and she would be just, I hate softball. And, and, did, did you say and this is in college? Out, this is in college, <laughs> yeah. She's like, I don't think I can do this anymore. I, It's not paying me back. It's it's hurting me it, like her heart was hurt because she wasn't doing well she put in all the work she could and then we would go out after the game in the outfield and be signing autographs and how many times I heard you're my favorite player you, you inspire me that you're the same number as me I picked the number because you're that number you know to that to that same girl and I said this is why this is your why now like your why can change hmm. But your why is not in yourself anymore. Like your why is the girls that look up to you or your family or someone you're fighting for or someone you're doing it for or even looking at, you know, kids in, in wheelchairs. I say I can run because of them. Like I want to run because hmm. of them. Hmm. And Where did you get it? this deep sense of community? I mean, I'm just blown away um, by just your perspective in life and uh, I just wanted to ask that question um we really do a lot of things at LSU you know in our community and, and that's what is just amazing about that school um we do this thing called um a buddies game and you know kids with special needs come out and they play softball with us and we everyone hits a home run you know <laughs> and they're so excited <laughs> and just seeing it on their faces and looking at them I think I realized like how blessed I was to even you know take 
anything for granted. You know, I, I really took walking for granted. I took running for granted. I took playing softball for granted. And looking at those kids who had those disabilities really just put my mind back in check and say, no, 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 Savannah, like you're, you're way blessed. You're, you're way more blessed than, you know, anybody. And so I, I think that that was something that really touched my heart and really got to me. Well, no, it, 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 it sounds like it's part of who you are as a person, uh, your DNA, uh, you speak with such conviction and such passion about recognizing the privilege of being able to play softball and the awareness of people that may not be in that position. Um, and that if you're able to do something, there's easily a way to find a reason why that can get you through the struggle and the challenge uh, that is inherent anytime that we do or go on a journey through any season of life, whether it be in sports, whether it be in career, whether it be in relationship, whatever those things are. Hey, I know that you've got uh, a pretty uh, busy day uh, ahead of you. I want to have you maybe speak on two more things if I can, and then I'll let you return to your day. Um, We emphasize taking care of the body to young athletes. And it's one of those things that, again, at the professional level and the college level, maintaining your body is just part of what the staff does for you. But at the high school, at the club level, there's really a deep level of, uh, I don't want to call it ignorance in a negative way, but just ignorance in terms of how important it is to manage the miles that these young athletes are putting on their body. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yes, I really think rehabilitation is going to separate you from the next girl you know and it's just just as simple as eating right just as simple as sleeping right sleeping the amount of hours you need to and taking care of your body if you're hurting and you're going through and you're pushing yourself through an injury there's a certain point where you need to take a step back and say recovery and rest is more important than that next day you know it may be more important in the long term I never had that knowledge growing up either you know my arm was always killing me and I, I didn't understand why or I pulled my hamstrings both of them when I was you know in travel ball and I didn't understand why and it's because I wasn't balanced in my muscles no one ever told me that your hamstrings need to be just as strong as your quads mm-hmm. you know it seems simple but being a catcher I'm quad dominant and I never really think like thought about I need to do more hamstring curls or I need to do more hamstring work, you know, until it really was that important that it took me out of a game. It took me out of a couple games, you know, not taking care of my body properly. So definitely, definitely get some band work with your arms and ice your arms. It's take care of your body because if you're not durable now, it's, you're going to have a hard time later on if you try to continue to play in college you're just gonna have reoccurring injuries well well said well said um lastly um you touched lightly on burnout but i want you to think that you're sitting in a room with a group of we're going to call it 16 year old softball players because that's typically where girls start feeling that dropout phase right what would you say to these young ladies to keep them encouraged and to continue the fight I think if you still have a, like, a, I don't know how to put this, but I think what I find, 
like my scale at, on like passion for the game, how I how I know it's still there, how I know I still have passion for the game, is my heart rate. I still get nervous, you know. <laughs> Sometimes I I get nervous now. I play professionally. I play, you know, and I I go up against teams and my heart rate's up and I'm getting nervous and I tell myself this is why I play the game. Like it's it's always going to be hard and you're always going to have to challenge yourself and I love challenging myself because I know even if I fail I'm going to get better. And I think that if you're a 16-year-old kid and and you're really burnt out or you really feel fatigued from this sport, take a step back and really say hey like why do I love this sport do I still have a passion for it do I do I still get nervous is it am I mad because it's hard or am I mad because I, I don't want to play anymore you know there's a difference between I'm frustrated or I'm done <laughs> and I a lot of kids confuse those things with failure this is a game of failure softball is a game of failure you're gonna fail 70% of the time and you're gonna be a great athlete so <laughs> It's just a matter of taking that failure and flipping it around and say, hey, like, I'm failing and it's hard and it's and it's always going to be hard. It's always going to be challenging. There's always something that I need to work on and that I'm never going to master that craft. And I think that that's the beauty in softball, that you always have something to fix. If, if it was easy and you were hit batting a thousand, you would get bored. I would get bored. I would make a lot of money, but I would get bored. <laughs> You'd be a rich, bored person. Exactly. And I wouldn't have passion for the game. Right. So just know the difference between if you're frustrated or if you're completely done. Wow. That's a great word. That's a great word. And, and, and I thank you so much for just sharing it just like that. Uh, would you mind sharing your Twitter handle and where these young ladies and those who would listen to this podcast can find you and follow you and keep up with you as an inspirational leader in their lives? Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram at S-J-A-Y underscore two seven. Or you can follow me on Twitter at S-A-H-V-A-N-N-A-J-A-Y. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> hey, you said you're uh, getting ready for a tryout for the uh, national team, huh? Yes, I have tryouts in January for the Olympic team. So hopefully... That's right, because um, they're bringing softball back to the Olympics, aren't they? Yes, in 2020. They're reinstated in Japan. Wow. All right, so you're making that run. You like your chances? Yeah, I like my chances. I got, <laughs> I got to be positive. I got to practice what I preach. There you right? go. There you go. It's another it's another stage in your journey. Um, well, I'll, uh, we'll definitely uh, keep you in thought and prayer as you go through that. Um, we thank you so much. Everybody give it up for one more time for joining us on the show. I appreciate your insight, your perspective, uh, but more importantly, your love and passion for the game. It's no surprise why you've accomplished so much. Um, I, I always communicate to young athletes that when there's a love and passion for the game, that's where your magic comes out. Your greatness comes out. And everyone's greatness is different than the next person's. But your magic, your greatness has truly shined through. And it is all because those humble days in Highland, California at the age of six getting started and having that love fostered in your home and continuing that love. So congratulations to you for all that you've accomplished. 
I appreciate you coming on the podcast, and I definitely will look forward to having you again in the future. Thank you, Coach. You got it. This segment is brought to you by HMA Advantage, preparing families for the financial impact of sports injuries. And now, back to Coach KG. Hey, I want to thank you for joining us on today's podcast. I also want to thank our special, fabulous guest, Savannah Jakewish, for sharing her amazing story. Uh, I I truly hope you're able to get something out of it uh, that will help you as you continue your journey in competitive sports. Uh, There were so many amazing uh, just things that she shared about her journey, and hopefully there's something there that will support you in your continued efforts. Uh, Be sure to join us next week as we begin a uh, sports med series. We're going to be looking at who are they and what do they do. Uh, We'll take a look at the medical professionals that are responsible for the care of collegiate and professional athletes all across the country. Um, We'll be starting off with our first guest, Dr. Chris Couture's, who's a great friend, as well as a sports MD uh, pediatrician. Uh, He's got experience working with professional athletes and Olympic athletes. So uh, he's going to do his part in helping you as parents understand just kind of uh, who are the practitioners that you'll need to consider uh, in the event that your child is injured or in the event that there's just something nagging, uh, some type of nagging injury that's going on so that you're a little bit better informed on who to engage first and what their role is in the care and development of your athlete. Again, we thank you for joining us on today's podcast. We ask that you uh, be sure to tune in next week and um, also follow us on Twitter. Um, You can leave comment or uh, communicate with us any thoughts or any questions you may have or any topics that you may like to have us cover. And that Twitter handle is uh, at, uh, at Sports Injury P. That's at Sports Injury P. Thank you again. Have a great week and God bless. Thank you for listening to SportsInjuryProtection.com. Be sure to log on and subscribe so we can keep you up on the latest information for protecting your young athletes.